strength and growth depends the strength of others. Development is charity. One of the smartest investments we can make in our shared future. Well, poverty is not about not having money. Poverty is about living a life that is not to its full potential. Welcome to the Future of Development podcast a conversation series from the Polson Institute for Global Development at Cornell University. Here we engage with ideas and issues across contexts that bear on addressing poverty and inequality in our world. My name is George Spizak. I'm a doctoral student here at Cornell University in the Department of Development Sociology. Today we will be having a discussion about the empirical and ideological landscape related to poverty and the extent of poverty risk in the U.S., our discussion will look at how poverty risk is understood in America. Here with me today are the Reverend Dr. Liz Thea Harris, who is the director of the Cairo Center, and Professor Thomas Herschel, who is a professor here in development sociology at Cornell. Liz, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, sure. Yeah. So my name is Liz Theo Harris, and I'm the director, as you said, of the Cairo Center for Religions, Rights, and Social Justice, which is at Union Theological Seminary. And I'm also the co-chair, along with Reverend William J. Barber II out of North Carolina of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. Tom, would you like to give us a sure. introduction? Tom Herschel, uh, I, I've taught at Cornell in, the, in development sociology for the past 30 years. And much of that time, I've been researching uh, material poverty in the United States and then attitudes towards poverty. So let's just dive in. Uh, Liz, what is the Poor People's Campaign? So the Poor People's Campaign, um, a national call for moral revival, is an effort that was launched um, just only about a year ago in December of, of 2017. But it's, it's work that's been building on um, grassroots organizing and movement building um, for decades in this country. And it's taking up where Dr. King and others who launched the 67, 68 Poor People's Campaign kind of left off. Um, you know, today uh, with 140 million poor and low income people in the United States with, with uh, poverty causing more death than, than most um, other uh, problems combined, um, poor people and moral leaders and activists have come together to say, we need to build a movement um, from the ground up that will shift the way that this country um, talks and acts in the face of poverty and that builds the power um, and agency and, and, and um, politics from below. And so we're doing just that by organizing in about 40 states across the country um, and uh, you know, uh, doing grassroots education and, and organizing and action work um, to be able to, to make a difference. So what are some of the, I mean, you mentioned that this started, uh, you know, 50 or so years ago with Dr. King, but what are some of the contemporary challenges that you've encountered with the Poor People's Campaign? So we just um, finished uh, 40 days of doing um, nonviolent civil disobedience and direct action in, in about 40 states across the country. Um, you know, that was, uh, it was the, the largest and most expansive wave of nonviolent civil disobedience um, in the 21st century. Um, and, and the reason that poor folks and moral leaders and others are coming together and kind of trying to stop 
uh, this country in its tracks and, and make us pay attention to the real issues that are facing us today and, and the real solutions and demands that are coming up from grassroots communities is because, you know, we've been doing organizing tours, organizing events um, for, for some time now, you know, and in Lowndes County, Alabama, you know, folks are living, um, you know, with raw sewage in their yards, you know, in, in Michigan, um, there's poison water and Flint, there's hundreds of thousands of people without um, access to water because of high rates in Detroit, there's the threat of, um, you know, wa deeper water pollution and pipelines because of line five, you know, in uh, at our our nation's border, you know, families are are have been for years being separated, um, and that's only intensifying. Um, and just all of these questions and issues are connected. You know, we we looked at the 23 states that have enacted voter suppression laws um, in the last you know eight to 10 years, and found that the states that are suppressing votes and denying people their right to kind of participate in the democracy are the same states that have the lowest wages have the highest amount of people without health care, have the, the fewest protections for immigrants. And so we see that, that all of these problems, you know, around poverty, around racism, around ecological devastation, around the war economy and militarism um, are, are actually inextricably connected. And so that, that as poor people and as other leaders across this country, we need to kind of come together and, and do something about that. This is sort of a question for both of you, but uh, what do you see that's changed in or with poverty in America in the past 50 years or so between when uh, Dr. King first started organizing this and now with its vital reoccurrence? Tom, I know that you've done some longitudinal work with uh, data sets regarding poverty. Like, What changes have you seen since the late 60s? Well, I think poverty risk has generally increased over the last 50 years. Uh, starting in 1970, inequality is increasing. So what, our, what my work is really focused on is sort of where the ideal meets the real, mm -hmm. that most Americans have this idea of the American dream, which has its positive side, that everybody should have a chance to succeed. But what we see in our data is that more and more people are confronting poverty. Uh, you know, 40% of the people will be poor during their life course. So it, uh, we, we designed a poverty risk calculator to, to allow people to log onto the internet and to see what, and enter their demographic information and to see, well, what is my real risk of poverty over the next five years, 10 years, or some future framework? And the results are quite strong that, in fact, I mean, what, what, uh, what Liz is telling us about the experiences of people is also confirmed in our data that many people encounter spells of poverty, in particular young people, um, and not just minorities. I think when Dr. King was alive, it was much more, uh, poverty was much more color-coded. Now we see poverty is, is also afflicting uh, the white population. So why do you think that these changes have occurred over the past 50 years or so? Well, I, th I think there's, there's uh, changes in the economy, changes in the political system. Uh, I think really the, the country is going through a lot of changes, and these are dramatic changes that affect the way families organize themselves to, to, uh, to get their economic business done, the way people live. I mean, you've developed this poverty risk calculator, and like, is this a useful tool for individuals to use? Like, have you heard of any stories of people using it? And 
coming away sort of with a different orientation towards the rest of the world? I think so. I think so. The, the, the idea of the poverty risk calculator is modeled on, the, on a heart disease risk calculator, that there are many of those on the internet. They're based on longitudinal data, the Framingham study, uh, what is my risk of a heart disease given my cholesterol and so on and so forth, and age and weight. And um, the same thing is true of, uh, it, it, you can you put in your, your, your characteristics and you can compare yourself, well, I'm, I'm a white male, what are, how do I compare to black males or white females or whatever? And so I think it does, it allows people, for example, um, candidates for the presidency have talked about this, that uh, if you look over the life course, what is that poverty is a real problem and and the political leaders have taken this up they haven't they've stepped back from actually doing something but i think people are recognizing that poverty is a problem faced by the majority of americans it's a problem of our culture but i think our idea the the idea of the american dream kind of marginalizes that thought a little bit and so we're hoping that through efforts for example with what, what uh, Dr. Theo Harris is talking about, that people can begin to speak about this and to gain social understanding, not just individual understanding. That's our, our long-term uh, idea. So uh, turning back to Liz, um, I don't know if you've used or experimented with the poverty risk calculator, but is this a resource that's potentially helpful for you and the Poor People's Campaign? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, what what Dr. Yoshio is talking about in terms of being able to to show, you know, the quantitative effects of this growing poverty and have people, you know, actually interact with that, I mean, is, is I think, is, is really helpful. I mean, you know, uh, when we when we sought to, to build this Poor People's Campaign, um, we, we tried to connect up with some policy folks and economists and researchers and, and, and the Institute for Policy Studies and the Urban Institute helped, um, you know, carry out a study that, that looked at kind of the last 50 years and tried to audit, you know, what's been going on in the United States around the issues that the campaign is taking up in terms of systemic racism, poverty, um, ecological devastation and, and militarism in the war economy and, and found that, you know, um, that 60% more people are poor today um, than, than, you know, 50 years ago. And that, you know, just like Dr. Herschel's talking about, that that's broadened and spread to all kinds of communities. I mean, the, those are folks in rural, rural and urban areas and suburban and exurban areas. Um, while disproportionately people of color are, are, you know, are poor, are incarcerated, are, are working low wage jobs, that um, the majority of people who are poor in this country are white, um, uh, and 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 so like being able to see that you know the the stories that that each of us individually might have fit into a larger picture that talks about a structural um, inequality um, that isn't actually benefiting the society at a large is is really helpful. I mean, um, you know, one of the statistics we've used a lot, um, and I know that there's a lot more. Uh, that we can get from the research that that folks at Cornell and other places are doing has been the number of people that who at some point in their lives are experiencing insecurity and 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 poverty and and how how large of a group that is um, how it's close to eighty percent of people at some point um, and and so you know having having tools like what you're talking about you know are are very helpful because at this 
at this point in our country, we don't talk about these issues very much, even though they're affecting the vast majority of us. Yeah. And so what do you think that we in the United States can do differently to address poverty? What could we do more of? What could we do less of? So what we're talking about in the Poor People's Campaign is, is the need to shift the narrative, um, to actually start uh, calling out the, the name and condition that so many people are, are experiencing in this country. And, and to, to do that by looking at education, looking at housing, looking at healthcare, looking at living wage jobs, you know, looking at the lack of sanitation workers, looking at, I mean, sanitation like systems, looking at, um, you know, the, the closing of libraries and, and the, you know, uh, fire departments having brownouts. I mean, just, and, and to look at the, the fullness of, you know, the abundant world and, and country we live in and, and the, the deep poverty and disparity that exists and, and, to, and to have that be at the center of our political discourse and knowing, and, and not just the conditions, but also the, the fights that, and the struggles and the organizing campaigns that grassroots leaders are waging. Um, because you know what we've come up with in terms of the campaign is a, a set of very visionary and broad sweeping demands. Um, things like single payer universal healthcare, things like you know living wage jobs um, and the right to form and join unions, um, things like free education, but also at the college and university level, um, things like automatic registration to vote at the age of eighteen. You know we can automatically be registered for the draft, but not to vote. Um, and 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 you know a, a series of other things you know wh what does it look like to have a uh you know water and sanitation services accessible to everyone um what does it take to have a, a real public transportation system in this country um and 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 those demands are coming out of of real struggles that people are waging and so i think we think that we need to not start just one place we need to like actually you know, put together all of these issues into something that can, that can, uh, you know, be possible, but also, you know, touch on all of these issues that are affecting our lives. So both of your projects seem to be very focused uh, on the United States. I'm curious if there are ways that your work informs perspectives uh, internationally, or if you know of other similar projects that are functioning on a global scale. So let's start with Tom. Um, I think that um, uh, there is not a poverty, the poverty risk calculator for the United States, I don't think has been adapted by other countries. Uh, we have a unique data set, longitudinal data set uh, in the United States to do this. This certainly could be done in other countries with other sorts of data, so we encourage that. I think in general, the struggle against poverty is a global struggle. We have people leaving their countries because their economy is being shut down, for example, in Greece and South Africa and other African countries, people are leaving. So I think migration is very much a part of this. And it's, this is a problem that can be and should be solved at a global level. So in theory, yes, uh, but I don't know. I mean, probably Dr. Theo Harris is more knowledgeable than I am about the international struggle against poverty. That's, you know, definitely, yeah. we've, we've had a chance to connect and learn a lot from actually different global social movements of poor people. Um, and, and when we did the, the 40 days of action for the poor people's campaign and it culminated in a call to action rally in Washington DC at the National Mall on June 23rd. And 
you know, there were about 25,000 people from across the U.S. that were that were at that action and about 400,000 people, you know, uh, following online. But but also what happening on the 23rd were um, uh, global solidarity actions um, in a bunch of countries across the world because, um, you know, we've we've been talking with with folks across, you know, various continents about you know, how you can't actually just end poverty in one place um, in this globalized economy. And so, uh, you know, we've, we've done a lot of learning and studying and exchanges with uh, folks from other, other countries and, and both how, how they measure poverty and also what poor people are doing in the face of poverty and what moral leaders are doing in the face of, of these conditions to, to, you know, change them. And so, um, I mean, we, we know that that this poor people's campaign that we're a part of needs to be a global one. Um, we also know that it, in this country for 50 years, uh, somehow the word poor has become a four letter word and that um, we need to organize and unite um, poor people in this country and, and with others that are um, concerned about the issue of poverty um, in order to be able to impact not just the politics here in this country, but across the world. Yeah, I just I think the international aspect of this is actually also really critical. And one of the things I'm very excited about is that using our diagnostics, we found that people from every country on the planet have logged into our poverty risk calculator. And so the idea that poverty risk is a part of a regular part of American society, I think that's an important understanding that people need to have that this is not a, a this is this in, it maybe is a country on the a city on the hill in some ways. In other ways, it is a place where people face real risk. The the insight that uh, like poverty is something that is probably best addressed globally and all at once. Anything globally, let alone in synchronicity. Like the examples of this are really limited. Like what what may it take for that to come to fruition? I mean, I think what we're, what we're talking about is that, you know, you can't look at any of these issues in isolation, which is often what happens in organizing campaigns and in policy work. Um, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to start somewhere. But, but for people to see the interconnection, you know, between, uh, you know, the suppression of votes and the, the lack of um, universal health care or to, or to see that, like, um, that we can actually... Uh, build enough power to to shift what this country has to do in the face of all of these problems. We, we want to show that that you know it, it that it's possible. It's, you know we we could end poverty. It's just that right now we politically don't have the will to do so, um, and so that's why we need to you know uh, both draw the connections and 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 build up the power of people to to make a change. If you look at at movements in history, um, it's when the whole structure of society um, is in question that it can be it can be transformed and so you know right now I mean to have the, the, the level of homelessness the level of low-wage jobs um, but then also to have the level of wealth and inequality that exists it doesn't have to be this way I'd like to thank both of you for your time this morning and for an enlightening conversation yeah thank you Thank you, George and, and Liz. Thank you so much for listening. If there's anything that sparked your curiosity from the conversation today, please check the show notes for links and other resources. 
Polson Institute Future Development Podcast is planning on releasing more episodes, so please check back soon.